This is a very important day in the life of a church because this is one of the days that we remember what Christ has done. What God has done through Jesus Christ to allow us, to invite us, to welcome us into eternal life. To pave a way for us to have a life after this life. For us to have a full and complete, a whole life together. Not only in the life to come, but in this life now. And this is, um, this is an important thing as we think about All Saints. And we've been, um, the church has been celebrating All Saints Sunday or All Saints Day since about 373 when Ephraim, St. Ephraim, um, first mentioned in his writings. And then St. John Chrysostom mentioned it in 407. So this has been a long time that we have been kind of um, celebrating, um, recognizing and remembering all that God has done and in our life and in the life of the saints who have gone before us. We've all lost someone somewhere along the way, someone that a family member, a loved one, a friend. Uh, we've all had that sense, and it's it's devastating in this life. But in the Christian life, in our faith, we know it's not the end. We know that this is a transformation, it's a transition that God is allowing us to, to, to live through. So we know, as, as Daniel said, we're going to see one another again. And what a homecoming that's going to be. And I want us to kind of, you know, kind of hang on to that. You know, I was reading about different ways to look at all saints and communion. Because normally when I think about all saints, suddenly I go right to the communion of the saints. You know, to be surrounded by this cloud of witnesses that Hebrews talks about. That there are these um, people who have gone before us, who have lived this life and have run the race, and they've persevered, and now they live in, in harmony and in peace in the company of our God. Abiding with Jesus, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That's a powerful image. But how do we think about it? You know, kind of just a, a, the communion of the saints... Um, I was reading about reading from a guy by the name of Mitch Finley, and um, in a book called "In Whispers of Love," he offers this brief reflection on the Christian doctrine of communion of the saints. He said, "This simple, really. All it says is that once you buy the farm, you still live on the farm. All it says is that those who have gone before us are still with us." All it says is that past generations still count and must be taken into account. In other words, we're all in this together. All of us. All Christians of all times and all places. That's a wonderful way for us to think about it. If you think about buying the farm, you think about once you have bought the farm, you still live on the farm. We still live there together. We're all on this farm. But how, do we, how does it translate to today as we live out our lives in this life? Now, Jesus offers us an image of what this looks like. In Matthew chapter 5, it's, called, it's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is, is three chapters long. It's verses, chapters 5 through 7 in Matthew. And in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, is the... The, the grand kickoff um, of, of the Sermon on the Mount. Here we find the Beatitudes. 
Matthew's version of the Beatitudes. I want us to hear this, but as we, as we read the verses 1 and 2, I want us to pay close attention before we actually get into the, the proper of the Beatitudes. Matthew sets the stage, and I think it's very important. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who went before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Be to God. Now, these are called the Beatitudes, which comes from the Greek word makarios, which means happy or blessed. And so what Jesus is really telling these people as they gathered is that happy are you when you are in these situations, when you are under these circumstances. Happy are you when you do these things. See, the Beatitudes is a blessing. It's a pronouncement of God's blessing on people for the circumstance they're in and for the things they do. And it also looks forward to a time when God will transform or offer salvation from all of the circumstances and for all the things that we do and are persecuted for. But I want us to go back to those first two verses before we get into the Beatitudes. Jesus is in Galilee and he's been teaching and he's been doing offering his ministry and then the the crowds are beginning to hear about him and they begin to gather and so as he's walking along he sees this mass of people they're gathering up around him and his disciples as they kind of travel around the Galilean area and so he he sees this crowd and he goes up into a mountain and he sits down two important things here one who else went up on a mountain Moses. Jesus is offering an image of Moses when he goes up on the mountain. And when he sits down to teach, just as Moses was handed the commandments and would hand those from the mountain to the people, Jesus is taking the blessings of God and is teaching the people that they are blessed. They can be blessed. They will be blessed. They can be happy. So when we think about these mass of people gathering around um, Jesus, think about who was there. 
Think about all the people. The disciples were certainly there. Remember those fishermen that left everything, left their, left their living, they left their way of life, and they left their families, left their homes, and they traveled with him. And they would follow him for about three years. They left everything to follow Jesus as their rabbi, as their Lord. And then there are those who would hear about and see and, and, and hear all of the, the rumors about all that he was doing, all the miracles. All the teachings. He speaks with authority in the synagogues. He, he speaks with authority and, and demons are cast out. Spirits are cast out. People are made well. The blind see. The, the deaf can hear. The, the lame can walk. All these things are beginning to swirl around Jesus and this little band of, of a movement that is making its way through Galilee. And it's, well, it's gaining some momentum. I mean, we watch football. Momentum's important, right? Momentum, and it can shift. Well, there are people that are gathering around Jesus, and they, there are those who, who want to, well, maybe they're deaf, or maybe they've got somebody leading them and they're blind, or, or maybe they're, they're limping or they're lame and they can't walk. They, they want to be made well. They want to be made whole. And they, they're gathering around Jesus. And there are those who are poor, the common man of the day. The, they're gathering around Jesus because they've, they've heard this rabbi speaks with authority. Unlike the scribes, unlike the Pharisees, this man speaks with real authority. I want to hear him. There's the curious who are there. They want to see what he's about. Who is this guy? Where is he from? What is he going to say? The hungry are there. Those who don't know where their next meal's coming from. Those who live on the margins, they're there. A full slice of life from the Galilean countryside is gathering around Jesus. But there's also others there. There are religious leaders there. Probably some scribes and some Pharisees. Probably some religious leaders. Some of those who are in more of a uh, have more stature, more political clout, they're there. Some of the wealthy have gathered. They're curious, and they're gathering with. Ex- they all gather with expectations and hopes. Each and every person who is gathered around Jesus and his disciples want to hear something for their own life, something meaningful, something that they expect. Something that they need. And so they gather and they press in to overhear this rabbi teach and speak as Moses spoke. And some of them were quite pleased. Some of them heard that they, even when you're hungry, you can be happy because you're going to be filled. And if you hunger for righteousness, if you hunger for justice, you're, you're going to receive it, and you can be happy in seeking it. And the poor, God always looks after the poor. We have a God who looks after the poor, and you can be happy even in poverty because God is looking after you. And the peacemakers, they've, they've been trying to figure out how can we live together? How, how can I live with my family who's broken apart? How can I live with my business partner who's, who's going a different direction? How, how, can I, how can I hold all of this together in some form of peace, in some form of shalom, in some form of wholeness? And Jesus says, blessed are you who seek peace. 
who seek wholeness. Jesus is offering this incredible word to the masses that have gathered around him. It's not just a word for the poor. It's not just a word for the, for the wealthy. It's not just a word for those who are self-assured. It's, it's for those who have doubts. It's not just a, a blessing for those whose bellies are full, but it's a blessing for those whose bellies are empty. This is a powerful word because what, what Jesus is telling us is that God's eye is on everyone. And no matter our circumstance, we can be happy in God. There is a sense of joy that is found in following Jesus Christ. Because in all of these Beatitudes, when these people are hearing Jesus speak, there's, well, there's this underlying message. That this is the way we are supposed to live. We're supposed to seek justice, seek righteousness. We're supposed to be pure in heart. We're supposed to be peacemakers. We're supposed to be seeking justice for the world and, and wholeness for the world and working towards it. And when the powers that be that demand the status quo, that don't want any transformation, when they persecute you, know that the kingdom is going to be yours. So persevere. When life gets very difficult and life is hard, persevere. Because the world does not like to change. But Jesus' message is that we can be blessed in all of our circumstances. And on All Saints Day, we would do well to remember the saints who have gone before us and how they lived and the best of them, the good that was in them, the kindness that was in them, the, gracious, the grace that we found in them. We would do well to remember that part of their lives. That they reflected God's grace, God's light in the world. And we can do the same. And when we do, we find ourselves blessed in the kingdom of heaven. Here and now. And in the future to come. It's a powerful message on All Saints Sunday. Because it reminds us. Jesus reminds us. That we are blessed in all of our circumstances. In all of our pursuits of righteousness and truth and light. And that when we reach out to help those who are in need of justice. Who are in need of food. Who are in need to be brought in from the margins. To find some sense of security. Any sense of security. Any sense of justice and righteousness and grace. We find ourselves blessed. So as we continue in our All Saints Sunday, in a few moments we're going to offer our prayer for those who have gone before us, members of our church. And as Daniel said earlier, there are those who are more than just members of our church that we've lost. And we can remember those too, and we should all the saints that we hold in our hearts. We have seven saints in our church who have passed away. 
There are eight candles on our table this morning. One is a reminder that there's somebody else who we will not, whose name we will not call out loud, but you will call out in your heart. Someone who has reminded you, has lived a life that reminds you, reminds us that we are blessed. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.